Hey guys, this week's sponsor is Automation Finance, and it's open to both accredited and non-accredited investors. We'll tell you more about them during the break. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey, bosses. This is Johnny FD, and welcome to episode 141 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm just on a road trip out here in Spain, going to hang out with McAfee, grab some coffee. <laughs> Where are you at, Sam? <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm in northern Italy, just doing some hiking and through the foothills. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, we are in the same place that we were last week. Uh, I'm in Sri Lanka. Sam's in Charlotte. <laughs> We're starting to sound like boring individuals, Johnny. We're going to have to be careful how many re- episodes record during quarantine. Yeah, but well, actually, I think most normal investment podcasts record from the same office every week. I think we're the only crazy mm. ones that just happen to always be in a different country. Well, I think that makes that's the most interesting part. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, we're still learning a lot now, 140 episodes in, but I always enjoy catching up with you and seeing what you're up to. Yeah, pretty much every single week up until this, I've had to ask you where you were. But now I know where you are. Is that an ice cream truck I hear behind you? So somebody thought I was in Taiwan and I was lying that I was in Sri Lanka because in Taiwan they have that same furry lease garbage truck driving around. And in Sri Lanka, it's the exact same sound. It's kind of cool. So it's so it's it's a garbage truck. They just make a nicer sound than a typical garbage truck. Well, what they they uh, did in Taiwan and here as well is instead of having outside garbage bins, which attracts rats mm-hmm. and it's you know unsightly, everybody keeps trash in their house until the garbage man drives by. Then you run out and you throw it directly into the car, into the truck. Oh, okay, yeah, that's not a bad system. It's yeah. interesting. No, and actually, I'm here, not running they- outside to meet any garbage garbage truck <laughs> man here now. I don't think you're running us outside at all. No, I'm not, unfortunately. I yearn for it, though. I'm looking out my window with envy of anyone who's outside. But actually, there's people are starting to wise up now. You know, like last week, you'd go outside for a run and you would see pe- groups of six, seven people running. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, let's get with it. Mm. But now it's it's pretty quiet. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy to see this. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I think that's going to flatten the curve. And help stop the spread quicker. Uh, I haven't been outside for the last four days because here in Sri Lanka, you know, one every once out every three or four days, they, they let us out. So tomorrow morning, bright and early, I'm going to get up, run to the grocery store, try to get as much, you know, as I can uh, that, that I need for the next four days. And then I'm going to try to go get a surf in. Oh, that'd be great. Oh man. I would love to get a surf in right now. Holy moly. I've actually been researching. This is one of the problems of being stuck here is I'm just like researching all these things I want to do and all these places around the world I want to surf. So like all day I'm looking at photos of Hawaii and Costa Rica and Mexico, Panama. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I want to be in these spots right now. Well, same here. And the good thing, I guess, was I had so I had a lot of video footage from my last trips just like a month ago. Going mm. to a safari park where we saw wild elephants and peacocks and you know warthogs, and then 
to this rainforest where we saw snakes and lizards and it was sitting on my phone. I just never had time to edit the videos. And mm-hmm. this morning I woke up and I thought, you know what? This is going to take me maybe five hours to do, but <laughs> I got five hours. Yeah, right. It's, it's a great time for everyone to catch up on things that they've been putting on the back burner for a long time and plan some some future trips ahead. I figured out the rest of this year, if this thing clears up by summer, I'm going to head to Argentina and go ski because I didn't get a ski in uh, properly this year. So head down there, do wine and ski. And then I think in the fall time, like September, head to Hawaii and live in Hawaii for like six weeks, do some surfing, some uh, all types of, of skating. And oh man, the bike, the breweries there on the beach look amazing. Some reason Hawaii is really top of mind right now. Wow. Okay. Probably because well, of probably because of being in gray, isolated Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm very fortunate. I have an ocean view, and at the end of the yeah. day, you know, even even if I can't step out of the house, even to go to the grocery store every you know, what, every four days, it's still a better life than I think I would have even back home, working a normal job, you know, being in a cubicle, going to the beach once a year. Yeah. Well, let I me mean, ask you, Johnny, are you learning any new tricks while you're in? quarantine any any new hobbies that you've picked up yoga yes. tricks anything like that yes i am i'm actually being very productive so every day for at least half an hour I try to do an hour i study russian so hopefully mm-hmm. I'll, this time i'll finally <laughs> be able to have a conversation and physically i've been practicing handstands every day yes me too oh my god this is great oh. are you on your hands yet or are you still on your forearms so I, I'm doing actual – so I'm doing handstands against the wall. So I've, I've started on, on my hands the whole time. Um, I think mm. you're doing a headstand to a handstand. And I'm, I'm doing a wall handstand and my goal is to be able to not need the wall uh, you know, hopefully soon. Yeah, that's a good goal. I've, I've just crossed the kind of one-minute mark on whatever you call it, headstand, where you're on your forearms and your head. Mm-hmm. So I can get up without help and I can get my legs up for a minute. But where I have trouble is coming back down. But it feels cool. Like I did not think I was going to be able to do that anytime soon. And it really like once you just get up there a couple times, it's not that hard. Um, but yeah, it would be really awesome to be able to do a handstand with no wall on your hands. That would be – you have to have some seriously strong shoulders to be able to do that. Yeah, well, it's the best uh, workout. We have nothing but time and nothing but right. you know, f- free uh, free walls to use because we can't go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Some reason I I feel like you might end up putting a hole in one of those Sri Lankan walls, but uh, be <laughs> safe, buddy. There's no there's no one there if you cry for help. So, yeah, I, I actually that's a, that was a legitimate thought of mine. Is if I end up killing myself, how long would it take for someone to find me? But luckily, there's a Sri Lankan family that feeds me every night. So, um, oh. you know, it's 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 been a win win. Well, as a backup, I'll figure it out next week when I call you to do our recording and you don't answer for three days. <laughs> Appreciate that. So I do think that during this, you know, kind of quarantine time, that's really the whole world now. We're we're gonna come out of it either fat, lazy, and broke, or we're gonna come out of it with new skills, being in better shape, and maybe even having some kind of business that we can do remotely or or work online. Maybe, you know, we can buy and sell things and try to come up on top, whether it's stocks, real estate, or a business. Absolutely. And not just that, but this is now absolutely a time when people are starting to think about their primary income source 
and worried about it. Lots of people are concerned about it, even if it's their own business, but especially if they're employed. And now they're thinking about taking that paycheck out of the employer's hands, taking it into their own and relying on themselves. So I think online businesses are one of those areas that a lot of people are starting to turn to. Big corporations are starting to think more of an online presence, especially individuals, because obviously right now the retail sector is what's getting hammered the most, but a lot of online businesses are actually prospering during this time, or at least um, you know staying stable. So we're gonna have on Empire Flippers. We've had Joe Magnati on before, going back, I think it was first 10 episodes uh, back in the day. So if you guys wanna catch an early episode more about what Empire Flippers actually is, be sure to check out that episode. But what I wanted to get on this episode is more just state of the industry. What's happening with online businesses? What are they seeing? Are there distressed sellers there, things stable? I just think that there's a lot of material to unpack here. So, so excited to have them on. Yeah, definitely. And I also want to hear a little bit about how they're running their business because they are completely remote. Uh, Joe and Justin, the two, the two founders, the two owners are both American, I believe, but they're both, you know, living all around the world. And I know a bunch of their team. I mean, they've, they've sponsored and came to the Nomad Summit in different countries and i've met these guys you know they're like and they're living in south america they're living in asia they're living in the philippines so i really want to know how they're managing this big business remotely and because right now so many companies are forced to go remote yeah and i think this are these these different type of category sites that we're going to discuss from amazon associates affiliate sites content sites display advertising e-commerce all all different types of sectors they actually produced a 2019 trends report. We're going to talk about that a little bit in the outro. And we'll also be sure to share that in the show notes uh, with everybody. But it's going to get, give you a lot of information about what's actually happening in the world and uh, what we can do to apply this to our own benefit in maybe buying up one of these sites. Sounds great. Let's have on Joe Magnotti. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on. It's been a it's been a long time. I think I think I was on the show many many moons ago in the beginning when you guys just started out, and uh, it's great to be back. Thanks. I actually remember I was in Singapore when we had you on the show. Yeah. I was in a much nicer uh, place than I am now in Charlotte, cooped up like uh, a bunch of chickens in a hen house, but. <laughs> different times, certainly it, different times. It is certainly strange times we live in, and um, yeah, things things have changed for me. Things have changed for the world. Um, you know, as I look down out of my window here, uh, nine a.m. in the morning on a Friday, usually the Manila streets would be stuffed with traffic and people. Mm. There is not one person out on the busy traffic That's... circle that I live over. That's actually really spooky in Manila. Where I'm at in Charlotte, you can sort of adjust to that. There's just not that many people out on a given day anyways. But in Manila, to look out the window and see nothing would be it, yeah, and here's, a world of, okay, uh, of uh, nonsense, right? Right. And here's even the weirder thing. Bright blue skies. No haze. No smog. No clouds, like beautiful California blue skies like I've never seen since I left California 10 years ago. Isn't that part of the silver lining of this whole thing where it's just like the world is all of a sudden getting a breather? Birds are finally like, yes, no humans, no cars, no pollution. We're just chilling. 
I actually, birds are the big winner of this whole thing. I think. Absolutely. I, I actually heard crickets last night in Manila. What? <laughs> so, sure that wasn't some like meth head out your window that was stroking out. Right. No, but it's, it, it's been crazy. And yeah, it, it makes you think like, it, you know, is all we need like, you know, every couple of years, just like a two week breather where like the whole world has to just shut down for two weeks and, and all the pollution will go away and we could avoid all this catastrophe stuff that's going to happen in the future. I don't know. Interesting food for thought, but. I tell you, I, I would be for it. If it was like an organized cool off, everything just shuts down for two weeks. Everyone does what they do. You know, their little personal cleanup. I got a buddy that's actually in, uh, in, in federal jail right now for a Bitcoin project back in the day. And he's in one of the U.S. white collar prisons. Not bad. Not bad. They play chess. They have music class. They have a history class where they actually watch documentaries. <laughs> he plays softball every day, volleyball every day, tennis every day, does yoga every day. Um, they're, they're in a softball league. There's no fences around their prison. So he's like, if I wanted to walk off, I could. Of course, you, you know, you'd be hunted, but yeah. you could just walk off. There's no, there's no wall. And he's like, if I could do this voluntarily for one year, I would recommend it for everybody because it's actually just a great way to disconnect and just, do you know focus on yourself for a bit and and i feel like this is kind of what this is is forcing us to do obviously the the circumstances are unprecedented and there's a lot of carnage in the world right now but uh, i think a lot of people are doing a lot of cleanup right now just getting things done that they've put off for a long time sure and i I think we do have to keep in mind that we are in a little bit of a privileged position there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. in the world that you know can't work from behind their computer don't have an online business. I mean, if you own a restaurant and, you know, your profit is really mainly comes from two months out of the year and you're shut down for a month, I mean, you're probably going to have a year in the red. Yeah. So I, I, I think, yeah, it, why it's great for, for the environment, definitely in poor countries like here in the Philippines, you know, the, the, the working class and below are really suffering now after, um, almost three weeks in this. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, local businesses and physical product businesses, uh, um, brick and mortar businesses, let's say are, are suffering as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So what I want to hear a little bit more about what's the scene like in Philippines. You and I could not be further away. I'm in the East coast of the U.S. You're in the Philippines right now. Although it looks like we're in pretty much the same spot if you look at our webcams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally on the other side of the world, right? But I, again, I, you know, I'm taking the John Oliver tact here. I don't know if you watched that show, but he said like you get 30 seconds to complain and then shut the fuck up. So I've been trying to do that and and remind myself that I have a very comfortable spot here. Um, quite nice place. I got my air conditioning. I got water. I got food. I got, you know, nice delivery. Uh, I have a good friend network here. Go for walks and stuff like that. Got the internet, you know, can make money. ATMs are still working. Thank God. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit boring. Um, but, you know, uh, this thing needs to get rectified. And, uh, I just hope that people that are less fortunate than myself can make it through without having to have a, a major catastrophe befall them. Yeah, I agree. Well, it sounds like it's pretty much the same scene in Manila as it is here. I mean, you, you, 
what's the grocery scene store like? I mean, you're able to get all the essentials. What's selling out? What's available? Yeah, original, initially we had a, a toilet paper run here as well, which I thought was what? very silly. In Philippines? That's hilarious. It is hilarious. Um, <laughs> on the weekends, and don't ask me, don't, you know, I don't know why, but uh, on the weekends, the lines do seem to be longer in the grocery stores for some reason. I don't know what everybody else is doing during the week. But, you know, if you go to the grocery store in the morning, uh, you know, on a Tuesday, you'll, you'll be, uh, you know, second in line or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and now they've got things pretty well organized in, in the part of the city that I live in. Now, you know, I happen to live in a bit of a bubble, uh, in what's called Fort Bonifacio. Um, in, in the much poorer areas, there have been clashes between, um, people and police, you know, because people are starting to run out of money because they haven't been working for a while and they want food and the government hasn't been able to provide enough assistance. So there is definitely some strife there and um, hopefully they're going to deal with that in the right way. Yeah. Well, actually, this is a slightly off topic, but you and I met in Davao. Actually, I think we met at a conference, but we ended up hanging out in your old hometown of Davao, which is in the southern Philippines. I used to go down there for work quite a bit. Fortunately, got to know you down there. And whenever I went for work, had a, a good friend to hang out with. But what made you end up moving up to Manila and how much, how long ago was that? Yeah. So I moved to Manila in 2015 and, you know, business had really taken off for me, um, between maybe 2013, 2014, 2015 kind of timeframe. I wound up leaving Davao in 2014, mainly because every weekend I was on a plane up to Manila and, you know, it got to the point where, <laughs> The stewardess would be like, again, sir. You know, they, they, they got to know me by name, just taking that, that hour and a half flight, uh, up to the city. So I said it was time to leave. I wound up doing a little traveling in, in Thailand and Vietnam, but just missed the Philippines so much. I decided to come back. You know, I'm from New York City. I grew up in New York City, lived there for many years. And Davao, while it will always have a special place in my heart, it's just too much of a sleepy town, cowboy town for me to really live there, especially after I was making, uh, good money. So Manila is more my style and uh, I love it here and encourage anyone who loves big city life to, to come check it out. Joe and I were able to catch the Super Bowl one year at his place in Davao. And I feel like it was like six or seven in the morning when it was aired and we went out and got a cooler full of beer and, and had a, a American style Super Bowl party. It was great. Always remember that. But, you know, one thing of before we get into Empire Flippers and what we're seeing, because I think this is just a loaded topic that is going to have a lot of material for a while. But I found it interesting. I was talking to um, a guy that runs a private off, or I'm sorry, family office in London, and he was shocked to have realized how many companies uh, have never done any type of remote work before, and that we're not familiar with technologies such as video conferencing, like. We were talking on Zoom earlier and Google Hangouts and Slack. And how many how many businesses are really still like analog style that just go in, physical workspace, no technology, and that this is a major, major disruption for them. Even companies that you would think would have some type of tech element or remote work aspect to it just didn't. And I think this is going to fuel a massive wave of remote working in the future I really think this is going to change the, the world and, and works, work life balance in, in, in a lot of different ways. But for you, Joe, I mean, this is just another day at the office for you, right? This isn't any type of disruption for you guys or your business. Exactly. Uh, we set up Empire Flippers from the beginning to be 
uh, no office. Um, and, and there's two main reasons for that. Number one, we didn't want the overhead. Justin and myself, my business partner, didn't want the overhead. Uh, number two, we're kind of lazy and didn't want to go into an office every day. Yeah. Um, but it had uh, had great side effect benefits. Um, we were able to attract um, more talented people for a lower price because they could work from anywhere in the world. Um, so that was huge. You know, we were able to maintain a 24 by 7 shop essentially and, you know, provide better service than, than our competitors could because, you know, they were working nine to five in New York City. Um, you know, other people just couldn't get a hold of them for whatever reason. Um, you know, so all those side benefits really helped. And, and I was always saying that the way we ran things would be the way it would be in 20 years and that we were just on the, on the forefront. But I think something like this has really pushed up that timeline. A lot of companies, like you said, even tech companies weren't doing this. They were forcing people to come into an office. And I think once you realize that, hey, if you work from home, um, you know, especially in America where people tend to have a bigger house, they could have a dedicated office, um, a dedicated workspace, you actually can be a lot more efficient because there's not the distractions of going up to the water cooler, of doing all these other things. Um, collaboration can be a little difficult. You know, maybe you have to find ways around that. Uh, I do a lot of video calls, uh, but, but, you know, you use the tech and, um, you make sure to communicate often. Um, and, you know, then you just really have to have a respect for what you have available. Now, some people, unfortunately, they don't have the discipline to do it, but, uh, yeah, for me, I love it. Never want to go back to an office if I can avoid it. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to feel that way after this. And I think a lot of businesses are going to feel that way as well when they get used to, winding down that big heavy fixed cost lease each month and and to the productivity point i mean it's so true i found this out first i did a fast like eight years ago and it was a like a six-day fast god it was miserable but what i realized was was i didn't not just eating three times a day but actually just not planning to eat three times a day because the planning is a big piece of it right where am i going to go eat who am i going to go eat with how am I going to get there? How am I going to order delivery? All that stuff takes a lot of time. And when you fast, you realize, holy shit, I got a lot of extra time to just do whatever I want to do each day. And now, you know, this coronavirus and this kind of stay at home mandate, it's not that much different for me. But what is different is just the fact that I can't go out and do so many of the things that I would normally do. I can't go to the gym downstairs. I can't go out to eat or whatever. So it's the same type of thing with the fast where I'm just like, all right, I don't have those options. I'm just going to make the most of my day. And I mean, I'm, I'm up at eight and now it's, it's nine 30. I basically worked straight through the whole day. It's a little long for me, but uh, I think a lot of people are realizing and a lot of companies are going to realize out of this that, wow, we can, we can cut costs, make people happier, our employees happier and make them more productive. Yeah, there's a learning curve. There's that collaboration uh, lear- learning curve that everyone's got to go through when you when you distribute your team. But well, I think this is going to stick in a lot of ways. I mean, just think about like if you have an office for 50 people, you have to commit to a commercial lease for mm-hmm. 50 people. And, and typically, you know, they're not going to do month to month, man. You're going to have to commit to a three-year lease. You're going to have to put a lot of money down. They have to buy desks and computers and you know, that gets very, very expensive and, and you have to make enough profit to overcome all that investment. 
Um, if you have a business like ours where everybody's working from home and distributed amongst the world, um, you don't have any of that overhead. Um, you have a, a natural ability to be 24-7 because people are in different time zones. You have you don't have one single point of failure if you know uh, Ho Chi Minh or New York has a, a power outage. You know that's okay. You still got people in other places that can go ahead and, and continue that work. So I, I think you know obviously there's some businesses it'll never work for. Uh, yeah. but, but, uh, yeah, if you're anywhere in, in sort of online business and you're not doing this, I think you really have to take a, a good look at why. And, and talking about efficiency, one last thing I will say is that, uh, I probably get done more in six hours than some people get done in two days. Um, and, and that's because I just have a routine. I get up, you know, 6.30, my maid handies my cup of coffee. I sit down, I blow through it. Um, and, you know, just have my whole plan lined up from the day before. I make sure my calendar is set. Uh, and then, you know, by noon, one o'clock in the afternoon, I'm done. And the rest of the day is mine. Well, I think a lot of that too, Joe, is uh, that's because there's no, there's no distractions around you. That's like right. You own your day, you own your space. And if there's, if there, if you're in the office with a bunch of coworkers, people are throwing paper balls at you and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, whispering sweet things in your ear. Like it, it's distracting and people that are in that physical work environment that are used to it don't realize how distracting it is until they get a couple of weeks to themselves in their own workspace and just, like you said, plow through things. I agree, man. And uh, hopefully, yeah, people learn from it and and more companies uh, give this advantage out because there are a lot of yeah. people who will respect it and take it the right way and, and you don't have to worry about people just goofing off, right? Yeah. So give us a real quick update on the Philippines, not necessarily COVID-19 related, but it's been probably six years since I've been back, uh, been to the Philippines. And I'm interested just what's going on there. And there's a new president, but when I was there, obviously a lot of potential for Philippines as a whole, smart, smart working class. People are getting educated, call centers blowing up everywhere. People seem to be educating themselves really on communications and on on a lot of technology. I mean, you look at Upwork or Freelancer.com, it's just loaded with Filipino freelancers. I think that's a good indication for where things go in the country. But has things changed much in, in five years or any new trends or anything that you're seeing that um, is worth identifying? Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, people freelancing on, on places like Upwork has increased uh, tenfold in the last five years. Uh, and, and a lot of people that... Um, were working for BPOs five years ago are now on their own um, and finding their own freelance stuff. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I think that that's coronavirus. That, that, <laughs> I think that trend <laughs> is going to continue, um, and I think you're just going to see more and more of that uh, uh, here in the Philippines. I mean, people under the age of 25 here, especially in Manila, they sound American. I mean, no accent whatsoever. Uh, when they, you know, I, I talk to these, these kind of people all the time, when they get into a fight with their parents, they, they argue in English, not in, <laughs> not in Tagalog, you know, and, and, and a lot of times I'll be like, oh, how do you say this word in Tagalog? They're like, I don't know. I, I hardly use that, you know, like, so I think in, in a hundred years, uh, Tagalog will be a, probably a lost language, um, you know, and, and, and most Filipinos will have a very neutral accent, if anything, uh, more like a California type thing. 
uh, you know, New yeah. Yorkers will probably have a heavier accent than, uh, than <laughs> Filipinos. So very good, very good. What about wages? What I mean, God, I don't even want to. Yeah, uh, used to be able to hire people for two bucks an hour, but. I, I think those days are gone, and I, look, that's a good thing because I think the, I the, think the, so, yeah. the $3 an hour uh, kind of things were – it was a big, bit advantageous at the time, um, but mm-hmm. it's got to come to some sort of equalization process. However, I will say in you know any sort of downturn, um, salaries <laughs> tend to get hit, and so we'll see what the impact that is on, on outsourced people – uh, VAs and, and, and the sort, but I, I do think you will see some very good bargain opportunities for those of you using Upwork. I'd say, you know, now is the time to kind of get somebody in and, uh, get a good deal. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be looking for sure after this or through this, but well, let's talk about Empire Flippers. You know, where are you guys at just as a company? I saw an email you guys put out earlier that said you're an Inc. 5000 company. I don't even know what that means, but maybe that's <laughs> something you could clear up. <laughs> yeah, Sounds sure. Great. So, so Inc. Magazine, I'm sure you're familiar with Inc. Magazine. They do an Inc. 5000 list and an Inc. 500 list as well. Um, uh, so 500 is just the top, uh, the top 500 growing companies nationwide and 5000 is the top 5000. We made the 500 list the first two years. I'm looking at my wall right now because I have the award on my wall. For 2016, 2017, uh, and then we moved to like the top 1,000 for 2018, 2019. Um, and yeah, so very proud of that accomplishment four years in a row and, uh, been, you know, four digit growth in the beginning, if not three digit growth, growth in the last couple of years. So it's, it's exploded for us for sure. Yeah. Man, good, good, good work. I mean, I've, I've known you guys. Ever since uh, the first conference in Bangkok, DC conference back in the day, was it 2012? Yeah, 11? 2012. Great yeah. conference, man. That was it was iconic in so many ways, and we've just been following your guys' traction ever since. So, give us just an idea of what's under the hood. How many deals you guys are? How many new listings? Um, maybe explain a little bit about. I mean, people can go back to our original episode and hear more. But for all the new listeners, I want to give them just a little bit of a basis of what Empire Flippers is and what kind of traction that you guys have on the on the buy and sell side. Yeah, so Empire Flippers is a marketplace for buying and selling online businesses. Um, you know, effectively, if if you've got a blog, an e-commerce business, dropship business, Amazon FBA business, whatever it might be, if it's primarily or hopefully 100% online. We can go ahead and sell it and find a buyer for that. And if you are interested in finding some sort of, uh, mostly passive, I mean, never, nothing's never 100% passive, but mostly passive online business that can be run from anywhere, we're definitely going to be the source of that and the best place to find those types of businesses. Uh, last I looked, we had about 120 active listings. Uh, we do vet all of our listings. So, you know, this is not just, uh, it's not a do it yourself platform. Uh, we're actually in there, um, you know, working these listings. We reject about 80% of the listings that come our way. Uh, so we're, we're pretty picky in what we do. And, and we have a white glove service throughout the entire process, whether it be vetting and, and helping sellers pre- kind of prepare their, their business for sale, um, selling and negotiating, negotiating the actual deal, and then actually migrating the deal. We do the whole thing from beginning 
all the way to end. And we're the, again, we're the inland broker that does that. Um, a lot of other brokers will just help you negotiate or, you know, might do some other aspects of it, but, but we do the mm-hmm. whole gamut. So I think that's kind of unique. And then, of course, <clears throat> in the last two years, we introduced a good piece of technology, which is our platform. And that really put a nice face on to our white glove process. So before that, you know, we just had like a WordPress site and we'd put the listings up and everything was kind of handled manually behind the scenes via email or phone calls. Now we have technology in place to actually automate some of that. And here in 2020, we're going to make a big push for that to happen. So um, technology is a, a big investment for us. us and I think, uh, again, that makes us very unique in, in, in the business. Yeah, I'd like to say we're like Flippa with steroids. Uh, you know, Flippa, uh-huh. great platform for those that just want to do it yourself, but there's a lot of garbage out there. Um, it's an auction platform as well. So, you know, you just never know. We're a fixed price uh, marketplace. So, you know, and, and there's, you can't really call somebody, right? You can't call somebody and say, Hey, mm-hmm. lead me through these listings. I, I don't know which one's best for me. We're going to be here. You know, we have 70 people working at Empire Flippers. Uh, and you know, we're doing 25, 30 deals a month. So we have a high, a high amount of volume and, and very large deals that we work on anything from as little as $20,000 to as much as 10 million. So it just really runs Damn. the gamut. Ooh. What was the $10 million site you sold? Well, we haven't sold a $10 million site, but we're getting there. Um, the, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the biggest, the biggest listing has been about half that. So, um, you know, we are doing larger and larger businesses, um, every, every month. And I do think we will get to a $10 million listing, even with this downturn. Um, perhaps this year that was the goal. Um, but yeah, I, I, I yeah, we think we what can sell say, $10 million. What would you say like the median deal is or the average, the average size deal? Average deal size in 2019 was about $180,000. So, you know, okay, we, we, bigger than I expected. Yeah. yeah. So we did 274 deals for $180,000 on average with, you know, the largest one being four and a half million dollars and the smallest one being something like $12,000. So yeah, it, it just really runs the gamut. And, and the nice thing is, is because we started out as a broker selling very small deals. We're great at those small deals and we've adapted our process to do the larger and larger and more complex deals, um, as mm. we've grown. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that, um, again, we're, we're probably one of the only brokers that will go down that small because we have efficiency with the labor, outsourced labor here in the Philippines. I'm able to do these small deals and still do them profitably. Is most of your staff in the Philippines? No. Um, we have about 20 staff members in the Philippines, but the other 50 are Americans, Canadians, uh, Europeans, and they're just spread out throughout the, the world. Yeah. So are, so you have 20 in the Philippines, but you're you're not manning that office. You're just – are they remote or do you guys have a, an office manager? All remote. Everyone in, in Empire Flippers cool. is remote by by design, and um, uh, they are a combination of being in Davao, where, like you said, originally we we had kind of a base of operations, not exactly an office. Mm-hmm. We did have an office briefly, but um, that was just in the beginning. Uh, and then we have a couple of people here in the Manila area as well. So, um, you know, that provides a great base for us to kind of match up a Westerner with a Filipino. Um, where the Westerner can handle the customer communication, 
can kind of walk the, the business owner through a lot of the processes or the, the, the buyer through a lot of the processes. And, and the Filipino can provide support on the back end and do a lot of the stuff that may be kind of paperwork related uh, and, and, and give us kind of a lower cost of, of doing business. Support for today's episode comes from Automation Finance. The key to building wealth is to start early and compound returns over time. Automation Finance offers real estate-backed investments for anybody with investments starting around $250. The company's fourth fund, Reperformance Fund 4, offers up to 8% annual returns to investors, pays interest monthly, and offers best efforts liquidity. The three prior funds return 21.5%, though past performance is no guide for future performance. Even though it's been 10 years since the global financial crisis, more than 2 million homeowners remain deeply delinquent on their mortgage payments. Many face foreclosure. Automation Finance buys these deeply distressed mortgages at a discount and works with the borrowers to avoid the loss of their homes. Once the loan is restructured, AF can hold and collect payments or resell them for a profit. Since launching in 2015, Automation Finance has resolved over 2,000 distressed mortgage loans with a par value of $200 million, saving more than 2,000 people from foreclosure and generating tens of millions of dollars in value for its investors. Now every investor can join the revolution. To start building wealth for your future and earn up to 8% returns through monthly dividends, visit automationfinance.com slash boss to review the investment memorandum and sign up for an account. Remember, there are no safe investments. Even the purchasing power of cash is eroded over time. Please review the offering circular in detail before investing. Cool, man. So I think what would be really interesting is before we get into what we're seeing now because of coronavirus and maybe some of the downward pressure on some certain assets is what you guys are seeing maybe in 2019, just with in terms of valuations of different categories of listings that you guys see on Empire Flippers from FBA to e-com to content sites, what have you. I think people would find that really interesting. Yeah. So I encourage your uh, audience and we'll definitely put a link in the description to check out our 2020 state of the industry report. Uh, we also mm-hmm. have a, a cheat sheet for that, um, which kind of talks about these average multiples. We use a monthly multiple at Empire Flippers. So it's a, it can be a little bit confusing for people. So for instance, if you were talking about three years of profit or we use seller's discretionary earnings, we would call that a 36x multiple. So just to be kind of clear, uh, overall in 2019, the average sales multiple across all monetizations was 27.8. So a little bit more than two years, two and two and a quarter years. Um, uh, and you know, that really varies by whether you talk about content businesses, whether you talk about e-commerce businesses, other types of businesses. So if we look at the average sale multiple in 2019, you know, Amazon Associates uh, businesses were a little bit higher than the average at almost 29x. Um, mm. the, the content type businesses, and those include like display advertising, affiliate, affiliate, um, you know, uh, um, uh, mixed content, that kind of stuff. Those were around the average of, of that 27x. Uh, and then you start to get into some of the, the, the better businesses. We talk about info products, things that are, are, are very hands off, uh, that don't require anything. And then, of course, SaaS businesses, uh, with an average of 36x or, or more than three years, mm. uh, in profit. And, and that's because, you know, 
some of the holy grail out there of an online business is, you know, a monthly reoccurring software product driven by paid traffic. You know, people love that. And, and I think that, you know, SaaS multiples tend to be a little bit more speculative too, um, because people think that they're going to be worth more in the future. But, um, that gives you an idea of where we're at in terms of multiple across monetizations methods. Again, we have a very long report. I think it's a 4,000 word report that goes through all the details and I encourage your audience to check it out. But great. That sounds cool. I mean, what, what have you seen in, in the years since you've been doing empire flippers? Uh, we've heard from different sources that multiples have been going up. Is that what you guys have been seeing? Absolutely. At least 10% a year. Um, you know, and, and, and that's been a year over year kind of growth thing, um, that we've consistently seen, uh, those, uh, multiples go up. Um, and, and again, in our industry report, uh, it, it's very, very clear. The only one that, that clearly went down were, uh, e-commerce businesses, physical e-commerce businesses that didn't have an Amazon FBA component. Uh, that they were, you know, particularly, uh, uh, you know, just like a Shopify store kind of thing. And, huh. you know, not sure exactly why that was affected that way. You could come out with a multitude of reasons. Maybe it was the, um, uh, you know, some of the, the, the Chinese, uh, trade wars going on there, some of the other stuff, but that's the only one that we saw have a, a negative repercussion in 2019. Now, what holds for the future in 2020? I, I guess that's going to be the big next question, right? Yeah. I, I just have never looked into Amazon FBA that much. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about it. You go to Chiang Mai, Medellin, everyone's doing an FBA store. Uh, I guess last time I had a, an e-com store in 2013, Amazon was still it was established, but no one was really like running businesses off them to a large degree. But are, is FBA just like... Is that just the place to be? Is I mean, and and then if you have it established, is it that much more difficult to become established? Is that why valuations are going up? Well, I mean, I would definitely say that um, you know we were the first guys to really sell Amazon FBA businesses in 2015, uh, and you know it does make up about 30 percent of the businesses we sell. Uh, we're pretty well distributed in in the businesses that we sell, but. It does make up a fair chunk. So we have a lot of expertise in that area. Um, and the reason why it, it fulfills a lot of needs is Amazon gets a lot of traffic, man. You know, they just simply are a monster when it comes to the amount of customers that they can drive to a physical product business. So if you have a physical product business and you're not on Amazon, you know, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. Unfortunately, there, you know, there are some side effects and some negative downsides to, to being on Amazon. I think you got to look through that. You got to be able to work with that and you have to be on Amazon. And people who, who see you off as Amazon, they might see that as an opportunity, but they also might see it as a, as a big weakness because, you know, why are you not on there? Um, if you have such a good physical product. Are the categories basically locked to winners in Amazon now? Like if you want to start selling sunglasses, do you have basically zero chance of competing with people that have been established on Amazon for five years and have 10,000 reviews? I mean, it seems like it would be a tough place to, to get started on now unless you were starting a new category that wasn't established on Amazon yet. I think it's just like Google SEO sites, right? Um, if you pick a very hard keyword to rank for, 
then it's going to take you a long time to build a site and build content around that particular keyword and rank for that keyword. The same thing on Amazon. If you pick a product that is a high competition product with very low margins, you know, very price sensitive, um, and, and you know, that's just not going to be the product category to go into in Amazon. Um, you know, there are still, there's paid advertising, uh, just like there is in Google. There's paid advertising on Amazon as well. Um, but again, you know, if there are multiple people doing paid advertising, you're going to have a hard time making that work in sort of, uh, putting in the black and uh, making it a profitable ROI. So yeah. it's all comes down to just like with content sites, keyword research, the product research before you launch these products. And, you know, you talk to every Tom, Dick, or Harry, and they're like, oh, I have a great idea for a business. I want to make this little product. It's like it doesn't matter so much about your idea. It matters about the execution and the marketing. And if you don't do the research beforehand, you'll wind up sourcing this, quote, unquote, great product that no one will ever see or buy. Got it. Well, I'm very curious to know what you guys are seeing right now with this whole coronavirus because I see it as – a potential for massive opportunities. Uh, obviously, the governments around the world have backstopped a lot of different assets, a lot of businesses, uh, a lot of real estate. A lot of people are getting basically free passes on their mortgage. I've been reaching around locally to real estate experts, brokers, etc. Prices have not dipped yet. I don't know if that's going to change. I, I certainly... I want it to selfishly. I want to be able to swoop up a good deal. Just like looking at distressed assets. You know, I reached out to you kind of a week ago, just talking about, mm-hmm. Hey man, I want to, I want to buy some distressed assets. And you're like, well, what you, would you consider distressed? And I'm like, actually, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to, to say a, a online business would be distressed and maybe online businesses are the least distressed of so many different asset classes. But I'm very curious to hear what you guys are seeing at Empire Flippers, both on the buy and sell side with this madness. Yeah, let me take the the, the second part first. Distressed assets. We typically don't sell classically distressed assets. Um, we have uh, limits in place. You know, if there's been more than a fifty percent decline uh, month over month, we won't sell that mm. business. Now, we might change that here in the short term, uh, especially for businesses that have been hit by. Um, you know, Amazon's recent rule that, you know, anything outside of a couple of categories can't be reloaded into their Amazon account. So some of these quote unquote distressed assets might be temporarily distressed. And so we might list those on our marketplace as long as they meet our other qualifications. Um, and you know, there might be some sellers who, who start to panic a little bit about some of these things and lower their price. And, and there, and in that case, we would list those as well. I would say though, that has not happened yet. Um, we still did 17 deals in, in March of 2020. Um, so, you know, the volume is still there and still strong. Um, we did see some of the larger buyers say, wow, you know, this is craziness. We're going to wait two weeks and see how things settle out. Um, and I think that that's probably appropriate for those guys. You know, they mm-hmm. want to make sure uh, to see where things lie. Um, you know, some of the issues are sellers right now, especially in some categories like, let's say, baby, uh, clothes and toys. Um, they're doing extremely well. You know, mom and dad are at home. They don't know what else to do. <laughs> they go on Amazon. They buy baby stuff. So, 
you know, those guys have actually seen an uptick in their business. And a lot of online businesses have seen an uptick in their businesses yeah. with everybody sitting at home. So these, these sellers naturally now want more money for their business, not less. So they haven't panicked yet. So there's a little disconnect between some buyers, some, not all, some buyers who are waiting on the sideline, maybe not for blood to be in the water, but they want to at least see where the, the economy is going to settle. And some yep. sellers who, you know, they're like, hey, I'm, I'm making good money right now. And when everybody goes back to work and everything, I'm probably going to make just as much money as I made before. So why would I lower my price? So there's a, a little disconnect in the imbalance in mm. the marketplace right now. Um, and I think that once that levels out a little bit, we're going to see um, volume go way up, probably double yep. what it was in 2019. Uh, and and I think that, you know we're one of the, the very rare brokers that's prepared for that because we have the technology and we have the staff. Other brokers, you know, it's just two guys sitting around in an office with a Rolodex and a cigar and trying to like do this all manually, old school way, right? And while that has a, a benefit of very low overhead, they just can't keep up with the volume. And we get calls from sellers all the time and say, look, I, you know, I called these guys, email these guys. I haven't heard back from them in three weeks. It's like, wow, you know, we get back to people mm-hmm. in 24 hours. So yeah, I think as either the economy settles out and either it takes an uptick as people go back to work, um, you, you will see an uptick in volume as more buyers come back to, to buying these online businesses. Or if, and I, I hope this doesn't happen because it, it feels like me cheering for the star player on the opposing team to get hurt. But if the economy does continue to tank and sellers start to panic and lower their, their, their multiples, um, buyers will see blood and there could be a frenzy of volume based on that. So uh, it's just a little too early to tell now. Uh, we'll probably know more in, in two weeks' time. A couple of follow-up questions on that, sure. too. That was great. but. You said bigger buyers. Some of our bigger buyers are kind of sitting on the sidelines saying, oh, we'll, we'll wait until we see what cl- what happens with the economy. Mm-hmm. When, you, do you, when you say bigger buyers, are these people that come to you regularly or are kind of buying and building a portfolio of online businesses? Yeah, we have a lot of um, you know funds and private equity companies that we work with that are regular buyers. Probably 50% of our buyers are that way. And and some of these guys have admittedly said, you know, we want to see where it's going to shake out in the next couple of weeks before we commit to another seven, you know, figure deal. Yeah. Uh and and I I understand that. That makes sense to me and and um I would want to be protective of my investors money as well. So uh, you know, they, if they see some business that has a huge uptick because of everybody sitting at home, it, it, it almost makes them a little scared to get involved because will that uptick continue? Will it not? You know, yeah. they don't know. So yeah, that's just one of the downsides maybe. But I think, um, the, the upside is, like I said before, it, this is going to go more mainstream. We talked about people working from home before and companies realizing that they can do it and they can save a lot on overhead. I think business in general, people are going to start to realize that they can do it from home. You know, if you're at home right now, you're doing your job and then, you know, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, you have some free time. You're probably looking to do a side hustle. You know, if, if your hours have been reduced, if you've been on a work fur- furlough or something like that, you're probably looking for a side hustle. And if you yeah. have the capital, you know, buying a business presents a really good opportunity to kind of jumpstart that side hustle rather than having to, 
you know, build from scratch, which we all know can be a little tough. Yeah. I'm this, this really to me seems like it's, it's an economic tsunami for retail and retail is getting hammered by all, all angles, right? Because you have the coronavirus, mm-hmm. but then you also have the, the, and think of all the retail stores that are owned by our parents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're probably getting ready to retire anyways. They're owned by the baby boomers, et cetera. This is just going to be it. They're going to say, that's it. Like I'm retiring, right? Fold the business. Millennials, for the most part, it's a general statement, for the most part, seem to be tilted towards doing online businesses. Something gives them a little bit of more flexibility versus have to go into the same brick and mortar shop each each day, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like this and coronavirus is and it's coronavirus. The real winners are going to be mostly online businesses. Retail is just getting hammered across the board. So this is really going to be a massive driver for online businesses, e-commerce content sites, anything online, anything digital, anything remote work. So I guess when it comes to Empire Flippers, it's really, you probably haven't seen much downward pressure yet. Like, I mean, you're already saying that, but yeah, I mean, do you expect what, at what point do people start saying, or actually, this is a better question. Which businesses that are listed on Empire Flippers are actually damaged by this? Yeah. I mean, some of the businesses that are, uh, you know, in the outdoor space, you know, nobody's buying mountain bikes right now. <laughs> um, you know, I just uh, bought a mountain bike. <laughs> I literally just bought a mountain bike a week ago because I thought I was going to be able to ride it around the neighborhood. And now they're like, yeah. no, nah, I can't really ride mountain. Can't really ride bikes. Yeah. So like, like, <laughs> like, like home, home equipment, we have a, uh, elastic band business, you know, uh, one of those bands that you use to kind of like do a little bit of workout at home. You can attach to anything. I mean, those kind of businesses are doing great. Um, but businesses that you would normally have to go somewhere or do something with, um, you know, uh, if they sell car accessories, for instance, those are probably going to be yeah. down. So it just matters on the category. But again, I, I think that's a temporary thing because once all this pent up demand is allowed to, to, to open up, you know, whenever that happens, whether that happens in mid April or late April or May, um, everybody's going to go out and buy stuff. They're going to be like, I don't yeah. know what else to do. I've been in the house for a month. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to the mall. I'm going to go online. I'm going to buy all that stuff. I, I, I was dreaming about yeah. beforehand. So, uh, life is short. Go yeah. out and spend it. Live, live before the next pandemic comes. Yeah. I think, I think you're going to, you're, you're going to see a lot of that. And, um, you know, the biggest thing that we at Empire Flippers wanted to do, uh, Justin and myself have always had this dream was trying to make this sort of the dream of owning an online business be more mainstream. And we have a couple of tricks up our sleeve, which I can't re- reveal right now that we're going to do in 2020 that we hope will make this be more uh, acceptable and open to people who don't know a lot about online business because really like the content businesses that we sell, like they run on WordPress. All you got to know how to do is, you know, click around the back end of a WordPress site. You, you don't have to be an internet master or even a programmer or anything like that to run these businesses. It's very, very simple. Is there any supply chain issues that you guys are seeing? I mean, China was shut down for basically a, a couple months. It looks like they're opening back up again. But if there's e-com stores or FBA stores out there, that, that were they having trouble getting supply, and if they were, I mean, does that 
does that hurt their business? Certainly, no. Certainly, we, we we've had we've had some guys stock out of of their products and and say, look, I'm looking for another supplier in in Mexico or India or Vietnam. Um, but we have ways of adapting to that and pricing that into the business so that uh, we can come to a fair number. Because in the end, right, if if we can say the price is based on this, and you know we have a a, a profit per month based on trailing twelve months, we have a, a multiple that we think it's worth, um, and we can give that formula to a prospective buyer. Then the prospective buyer can do his due diligence and can say, mm, "I agree with the pricing, or I don't, and this is why I don't, and this is what I think it is worth." Right, and then it becomes a negotiation. Uh, and that, so that's how it works at Empire Flippers, and, and that's how we're able to to make sure that our our buyers are fairly represented. But I think, you know, not to get too political here, this is going to have a huge impact on China. Most mm-hmm. sellers were not very happy about having to do business with China beforehand. Some big downsides of doing business with China that I I won't go into, but uh, you know, very win lose type scenarios there, as you know firsthand. Um, and I think that people were tired of it. And between the tariffs uh, and now this stuff, people are going to look for other places to source their products from. Yeah. And whether that means India, Vietnam, Mexico, other countries, perhaps even the United States. You know, if America, baby, America, hey, man, man it, manufacturing is going to fire up here. I'm I, telling you, you know, and I think I've always everyone's talking about starting a little factory here. I've always said that that one of the big things that that China's going to have to deal with in the future is robotics and 3D printing, because if you have a robot and you have a 3D printer um, and, and once the technology gets to this level, you could build a huge, you know, factory in in Kansas where where. You know, land is dirt cheap and, and mass produce these things, or you could produce a small little factory in an office in Brooklyn and, and you know, have things on demand right there. So I yeah. think that w- this technology is getting better and better. And now there's going to be a lot of more investment in it because people are seeing the problems with, you know, 95% mm-hmm. or I don't want to quote it statistics, a, a vast majority of our medical supplies and medicine being sourced from China. That's a problem, man. Yeah. That's a problem. problem. And and I think, you know, people are like, well, you can do it for pennies. You could do it pretty cheaply here. Maybe not pennies, but if it costs 10 cents instead of 2 cents, uh, you know, if you're selling it for 15 bucks, it the margins yeah. are still pretty good, you know? <laughs> yeah. Joe, for for people out there listening, they're thinking, man, I want I, I want to get into the online game. Don't have a lot of skills yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been working, doing my thing. Uh, what, what, what category is the easiest business to take over the most robust in terms of revenue? People buy these online sites and then worried that six months later, it's going to completely dry up well, they, they did everything they're told to do, but for some reason they lost all the revenues, which is the, which is the safest one to get in there. I manage customer service. I keep the website updated, post some new content. 
revenues are pretty reliable. See, I would say the one that doesn't have any customer service and the one that doesn't have any physical products. Physical products mm. are great and Amazon FBA is, is great, but you have to manage the inventory. You have to have cash flow to, to buy in inventory. Um, mm. you have to do customer service. You know, all of those, uh, downsides for physical product businesses are not there with content businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, the Amazon Associates program, which is the largest affiliate program on the internet, um, uh, effectively allows you to monetize a content site. So if you had a content site about softball bats and, you know, all, a review site about, uh, softball and baseball equipment, and then you had links to buy those on Amazon, Amazon will pay you out a certain percentage of, of the basket. And, and those businesses, and there are other private affiliate programs too. Those businesses tend, um, uh, to be less expensive on the overall scale of things. You know, those are the ones that you can find on our marketplace for less than $300,000. Heck, less than $30,000, although they do go very, very quickly at that level. Uh, and I think that those are the easiest ones for new people to understand and manage because there's not, you don't have to worry about customers. All you have to worry about is content, which is normally outsourced to a virtual assistant. They're writing the content, researching the content every month. They're posting the content. Um, and, you know, updating WordPress, which as you know, you click the update button and it updates. Uh, and then just making sure that, you know, your affiliate is paying you out every month. And other than that, it's, it's pretty much self-managed. So those are, those are very hands-off and passive. And, and we see a lot of newbies come in, buy one just to kind of test it out. And then they get, very addicted. They're like, oh, wow, I want to buy another one, another one. And they build a portfolio of four, five, six sites. So, Cool, man. And I guess one final question for people out there interested. $180,000, the average site that you guys are selling, it's not inexpensive. Um, I don't imagine everyone out there has the cash to do that. How mm-hmm. are you seeing people or how do you, do you have a lens into how everyone's financing these acquisitions? Yeah. Um, well, you know, before this crisis, definitely money was cheap. Um, I mean, money's still cheap. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, you know, in terms of the, uh, uh, getting a loan and the interest rate that you pay on that loan, money Mm -hmm. is cheap still, right? It's even cheaper than it was before. But what I mean is any Tom, Dick or Harry could get a personal loan by going down to your bank and saying, Hey, I want a loan for $50,000 and just sign on the, on the dotted line if you had enough good, good enough credit score. Um, so people were doing that. Now, is that still available in your bank based on the current economic crisis? I don't know. You should check with your local bank. There is, you know, government programs, the, the small business administration, SBA, we do work with them on some of these loans. Uh, and then there's, of course, there's seller financing, which on the larger deals and deals over a hundred thousand dollars, that's where um, this kind of seller financing does become an aspect of it, where you only need to have mm, 70% of the cash up front, and then the rest can be kind of financed over time uh, by the seller. And Empire Flippers will actually manage those payments for you. So mm-hmm. we will follow up with the buyer. We will make sure the buyer pays. We'll take our commission from that payment, and we'll pay out the seller. Again, we're the only broker that does that. So. Oh, that's great. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, this SBA thing is just blown up. It's like everyone knows about SBA now, but two weeks yeah. ago, no one did. I read an article the other day that said like SBA is now bigger than like an incredible amount of countries GDP like out there. I'll have to find the stat and leave it in there, but it just showed how quickly SBA blew up because of, you know, 
call it coronavirus, but <laughs> it's just governments getting bigger. Jesus. Yeah, I, look, there there are problems with that, and I get it. But in an economic crisis like this, we got to do what we got to do. And an injection of cash into the system, there are going to be t- people to take advantage. There are going to be people, people that do the wrong thing. But in general, it's a lot better to do that than to have bread lines and the Great Depression type thing, right? I mean, that was what happened back then. You know, they, they took a laissez-faire attitude. The market will take care of itself, and it didn't. So, yeah. you know, it's it's the Infl- government's job Infl- to, to print money and, and make sure this happens. Inflation's better than deflation, they say. <laughs> yeah, you don't want <laughs> to right. see deflation. <laughs> All right, Joe. It's been a lot of fun to catch up. Uh, keep us posted if you guys see anything moving, the needle moving in any direction. We want to know about it. And uh, for all the listeners, check out Empire Flippers. There aren't distressed assets, but you might get yourself a great deal coming up. So we'll see. Joe, thanks for everything. Thank you for having me on the show. And if anybody has any questions, please reach out to me. Uh, either you know any of the social media will work. Um, and uh, our support team is 24-7. Uh, chat right on the on the website. All right. I'm excited. I actually went on their site to look what businesses are for sale right now. And you're right. A lot of it is all Amazon, at least in the price range that I would look. Well, I want to get your opinion on this, Johnny. I mean, you've touched a lot more of these different categories of sites than I have. I've done some affiliate sites before. I've done a little bit of the content stuff. But with the Amazon FBA, like all all these different types of businesses – you know, which one do you think is the easiest one to get started? When you think about the kind of buy versus build process, which one do you think is the easiest to get started? And which one are you like, nah, I would definitely recommend buying? I know that's kind of a, a heavy question, but give that some thought and let us, I'm interested to get your feedback. Yeah. So I, I think that in a lot of categories, people want, would rather buy now uh, to kind of have that established base. And as, as you had mentioned, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get into Amazon now with a zero reviews and no credibility and, and build a brand in there. But same with affiliate sites. Uh, Matt Diggity, a, a big SEO expert, he gave a talk to Nomad Summit this year and he said he stopped building sites because the first six months, it doesn't matter what you do, Google doesn't trust you yet. You just don't have, you know, you don't have the credibility yet. So, he can do everything right, and six months later, the site can just never get any traffic. It can never rank, and never, uh, never become popular. So what he's started doing, and, and what a lot of people will start doing, is they'll buy a site that's doing okay, and they'll go in and they'll see what they can do better, mm-hmm. and just build off of that. So whether it's a, a SEO site for content marketing for for affiliate offers, or an Amazon product where they already have a baseline of customers. They have some reviews, they have some traction, and you just go in and you just kind of throw some fuel on the fire. Yeah, and, w- and what do you have you seen from Amazon FBA stuff specifically? I mean, are those are those sites and businesses really reliable? I mean, like if you build a business strictly on Google SEO, we all know there's black hat and white hat SEO. And if you have a good eye and you know how to investigate things, you can figure out, okay, that's that's got a lot of black hat SEO. It's It's dangerous. It's vulnerable. But I mean, if you lose your organic traffic on either, uh, if your site is built and based on organic traffic from either Amazon or Google, that can be taken away from you without you doing necessarily even harm just by them changing their algorithms. But with the FBA sites that you've seen, are those usually pretty consistent, pretty reliable? 
Yeah, uh, Amazon has a pretty you know good backend. So you know, and what's nice about going through a company like Empire Flippers is they'll go in and they'll vet it and make sure the numbers are giving you are accurate. The but the the only reason why I've never wanted to buy an Amazon business is I don't want to rely on Amazon because they can change their yeah. terms anytime they want. They can decide they don't like you. Someone can can file a copyright claim against you even if you know they're not in the in the right. If Amazon decides that they are, you're you're kind of screwed. And even during you know right now during the COVID crisis, Amazon has stopped taking in inventory uh, for non-essential products. So you can have, you know, a kombucha business like my buddy Chris has, and Amazon just won't, sh- you know, accept any more shipments of the kombucha. So what do you do? You you have no revenue for the next two months or however long it lasts. That exact reason is why I just picked up some stock in one of your favorite stocks, Johnny, Shopify. feel like this is going to drive a lot more people from Amazon into their own direct channel and also a lot more businesses that haven't been thinking about their online presence are going to are going to start thinking about that real seriously now and or in the f- near future. Yeah, I uh, I do think that this is going to be a shift where I hope that it's not just the five big companies that come out on top. You know, right now when mm-hmm. people are rushing out to buy things, it's Walmart, Target, you know, and online is, is Amazon. And a lot of mom and pop shops are dying off. A lot of smaller businesses are dying off. So I am hoping that you're right. That is, it is going to drive web traffic to smaller stores that people build on a site like Shopify, which is basically a self, you know, built, uh, not associated with the, with the big company website where you can, you can sell whatever you want. And it's kind of like the WordPress of e-commerce for the, for uh, anyone who's not familiar where, you know, I can have it be Johnny's, you know, handkerchiefs.com and it just goes to me. While traditionally, I think it was something like 70% of American uh, orders or packages were through Amazon. It was something insane. And like people Jeez. just buy everything off of Amazon. Oh, man. Well, hashtag me too. I hope that this is a new rise of the independents and the mom and pops. I think we're seeing this already in a lot of different, a lot of different categories. Food delivery is one. The big boys like Grubhub, Uber Eats, they're getting hammered right now. Um, Uber Eats charges 30% for orders for restaurants, but they also do the marketing. So, I mean, they, they do add value. But a lot of the restaurants are like, dude, I, I can't afford paying this 30% right now. Um, and a lot of the local guys, they're, they're actually profitable businesses. And a lot of these, these big ones that have popped up like DoorDash and Grubhub, I mean, they weren't running profits. So, in times like this, it gives a, a second wave to these these local delivery companies and local uh, restaurant delivery companies specifically, which is is great to see. But I was just taking a look, Johnny, at the Empire Flippers 2019 trends report. We'll share this in the show links for everybody. But just to give you an idea of the number of businesses sold by Empire Flippers in 2019 and what or actually actually what I'll just say is the percentage of change uh, for each category year over year. Let's give people an idea of what's been moving in 2019 compared to 2018. So Amazon Associates stores, which is basically Amazon's affiliate program, they're down 12% in sales. They still sold 59 Amazon Associate sites last year. Display advertising was down 25%. Affiliate-based sites were up 100%. Mixed content down 8%. Uh, Amazon FBA up 17%. Looks like the biggest drop that they had last year 
was in drop shipping stores, which was down 40 percent. Uh, e-commerce was up 150 percent, but they only sold uh, five stores. Mixed e-commerce was up 21 percent. They sold 29 stores. Uh, and then there's a couple other categories, smaller numbers, info products, Amazon KDP, Amazon Merch, Service, SaaS, and uh, and mixed other. Um, so yeah, it looks like the, the biggest volume they did was in Amazon Associate sites. And the mover was, or oh, no, actually Amazon FBA was, yeah, it was their biggest. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually very curious why uh, the Amazon affiliate sites, the Amazon Associate sites were the biggest this year. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if actually sometimes the trends are not because people are selling things that currently work the best. People generally sell things when they start kind of stay, you know, stalling out or they're afraid that's going to be on a de- decline. So there's actually a very good chance that the reason why people are offloading Amazon associate sites is, you know, they, they did well. And then Google changed their algorithms this year where they predict Google is going to change something and they, they know they're not going to rank for it anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're just trying to offload them. Uh, and it could be the same with, with, uh, Amazon FBA sites. Maybe the reason why a lot of people are just, are, or selling their sites isn't because they see Amazon you know, fulfilled by Amazon uh, being the next or you know, continuing to be the the hot thing. Maybe a lot of people are just trying to cash out and say, you know what? I don't know how long this is going to last. I know with the dropshipping uh, space, the reason why so many people sold stores this year was a lot of people weren't doing the type of dropshipping I was doing and building a, a real legitimate brand. A lot of people were, were just selling things off of AliExpress and really pissing off their customers with, you know, bad customer service, uh, long shipping oh, yeah. times, and just subpar products. So I think a lot of people did it as a cash grab. They they set up these stores very quickly, had a nice template from Shopify, and made, you know, a bunch of revenue, and then decided, hey, let's sell the store before, you know, mm-hmm. people realize, you know, they could just buy this, you know, $2 piece of crap off of uh, AliExpress directly. Yeah, I well, what do you think's happened with Amazon FBA now? I mean, people are getting hammered, right? If you can't get product in, I mean, you have no, you basically have no revenues, and maybe your your search rankings on Amazon fall after this. Although I guess if everybody can't get product in, then it doesn't hurt you as bad. But I feel like after catching up with Joe, and I, I talked to him a little bit after the show as well, that it doesn't seem like there's much movement or much pressure on the sale side. Of these stores right now but i think that's all about to change because looking at the numbers a lot of these stores are generating kind of in that one thousand to two thousand dollar a month profit range and that's that's enough for a lot of people to live in certain areas of the world but not at all so we have to assume that a lot of these sites are there's it, some, someone owns a basket of these sites um or or it's a side hustle a side project for them so uh, even though their business might not be hurting necessarily, a lot of people in the world right now are thinking about cash. I need cash. I need cash. I need to free up accounts. I need to get cash. I'm worried about my next paycheck, etc. So if people are thinking like that, they're going to try to sell their sites, right? Uh, especially if they think the revenues are going to be dropping from it. So while the, the they might not be directly impacted right now, I think a lot of people are going to start selling these at a discount pretty soon. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, it, you know, that definitely could be the case. But it also could be the exact opposite where a lot of people who had normal, stable jobs realize, hey, if only I was able to do something online, location independently, mm-hmm. 
I wouldn't have needed to be in New York, you know, during this time paying four thousand dollars a month for rent. <laughs> I could have been sitting <laughs> on a <laughs> on a beach in Thailand or in Sri Lanka, and you know, making fifteen hundred bucks off of a business, and you know, still being okay. Yeah, that's absolutely a good point. So, I mean, there's a lot of dynamics going on here. I guess we'll just have to keep our finger on the pulse and, and figure out what's going on here. But I was looking at the multiples. A lot of them are selling at 36 times monthly re- uh, monthly profits. Or No, is it revenues or monthly profit? profits? Uh, monthly profit. Do you know? Yeah, profit. Monthly profit. So, so if, let's say you go look at, just comparing this to a retail store. Let's say you go look at a car wash. A car wash is for sale. You look at their books pretty stable revenues over the last three years. You go look around town, there's no new competition, you're the car wash, they're not really advertising that much. You buy that business, I'd say there's a very good chance that past results are gonna equal future returns in a sense. But with online business, there's so many things that can go wrong, it still, it still scares me to make that plunge. Unless, you're, unless it's fully predicated on buying traffic and monetizing it, if it has anything to do with organic listing, or organic rankings, on Google or Amazon, I feel like it's scary, but I have not talked to enough people that have actually been on the buy side to to really get a sense outside of my just outside view. Yeah, it's hard. I do know people who have who have bought businesses, uh, both on off of Empire Flippers, but in other places, uh, FBA businesses, and in general, mm-hmm. they've done fine. But they also mm-hmm. knew that if they if Amazon decided to change something for any reason. They would have been screwed. So it is a bit scary. Mm-hmm. I think when you buy something like a car wash, chances are, you know, it's not going to change very much. You know, people aren't really going to notice if, if there's a new owner. They're probably not going to care. But with Amazon, you, you're the the ball is in their court 100. percent mm-hmm. And that's why uh, Joe was saying that the most popular businesses that people really like are you know software as a service that is reliant on paid ads. So if you're paying, you know, mm-hmm. Google, you know, three dollars per lead, and it's converting to sell some, you know, uh, some software, you know, whether it's a calendar app or scheduling app or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's probably not going to change, you know, and because Google right. is going to, you know, continue to be happy to take your three bucks, and then the the software, you know, you can't really buy it on Amazon or anywhere else. No one can knock it off mm-hmm. easily. So those are the best businesses, and that's what I was actually looking to buy, uh, but. I just it, it, nothing good ever came out of it, and except mm-hmm. that I ended up sitting accidentally on a bunch of cash. <laughs> fortuitous, fortuitous. Yeah. So, so that's where you're at right now. Just so you, we we, we we're going to talk about our uh, our quarterly updates. But basically, you've been reinvesting the cash that you had set aside to buy an online business into back into the market with the downturn. Are you still looking to buy anything in the near future? I'm looking to buy a hammock and just hang out <laughs> and wait for this recession to, to end. But yeah, I, I have uh, definitely been buying uh, more stocks as the prices have dropped. But I do not plan on buying a business anytime soon. I'm just very happy and grateful that I just happen to be lucky uh, with my timing. And we're going to go over all this in the next episode in the Q1 2020 update, where we're going to talk about what we bought, what we sold. And actually, there's there's a lot, you know, just to kind of um, sneak preview a little bit, a lot has happened. I think in the past 140 episodes, every time we had a quarterly update, everything was up and we said, oh, yeah, we just kind of left everything the same. <laughs> you know, we definitely never sold anything. But this time, there's going to be a lot of things that 
that were bought, a lot of things that were sold, and a lot of things that we try to cash out on that are still pending. So uh, if you guys are in the Patreon group, you have access to that already because Sam and I both post any of our account closure or sale notifications the same day that we uh, that we put it out there. And if you want to check that out, just go to investlikeaboss.com and click on Patreon. It also helps us support the show uh, for you guys to be part of it. And because of you guys, we have been able to have three or four episodes per month. So we're really excited. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. And as a thank you, you guys have the exclusive kind of fast access to this private small group of just right now about 40 or 50 people. Love it. And we've been having fun in there. And thanks again for all the Patreons really helping to support the show. If you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you do. John, I definitely appreciate it. And uh, it benefits all the listeners because we can crank out more and more content each and every single month. And all the people that have taken the time during this quarantine period to leave us a five-star review, we really appreciate you too. Reviews have been flying in and that definitely helps bring awareness. And as importantly, for us to get and attract great new guests to bring on the show each and every week. Yeah, I love it. So this week, I would like to thank Pineapple Tree 808 which might be Hawaii, actually. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. He or she said, feeling like a boss thanks to this podcast. Five stars. Since discovering this podcast a few months ago, I've been binge listening. Move over, Tim Ferriss and JRE. Sorry, Joe Rogan. I Ooh. have... Nearly uh-huh. caught up on every episode and now am making plans to go back and re-listen to some of my favorites. It's simply the best podcast I've listened to to learn about investing. Sam and Johnny seem to be just regular guys willing to try things out and learn by doing. Awesome guests give varied perspectives and strategies to follow. The quarterly update episodes are also super instructive. You get a sense of how things work out over time. For each of their accounts since listening, I've tried out a few investment vehicles they've highlighted, and I've learned a ton through the process. Look forward to each new show. Thanks so much, Pineapple Tree. Well, just regular guys that can do handstands with no oh. wall. So what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty Almost soon. Almost there. Coming yeah, coming soon. And check out the Patreon group, guys, because there is a special episode that Sam and I have already recorded where we talk about everything we bought and sold during this recession. So make that check it out. Sam, uh, what are you gonna do the rest of the day? I'm gonna practice my handstands. I'm gonna check the box for playing ukulele. So who was that person that just left the review in Hawaii? Anyways, when I get to Hawaii, I'll be able to. Pineapple tree. If you know any great places to live in Hawaii for six weeks, kind of nomad scene, Chiang Mai style, let let me know. Uh, I'll be strumming the ukulele. That'll be my my second hobby hobby trick to pick up out of quarantine and then like you johnny practice in a foreign language just not russian uh, uh. <laughs> been, uh, uh ablo ablo <laughs> <laughs> uh, ablo espo hasta luego amigos see you next week thanks for listening to the best like a boss podcast join our mailing list at bestlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.